Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. You're very welcome to the Temple Bar Tradfest podcast. I'm delighted to be here in the home of actor Stephen Ray, who's the patron of Tradfest, Stephen. Um, Always a curious one for me, actually. How did you become patron? Did you have to go through a process to be uh, elected to that post? Well, uh, as Mannix Flynn used to call me the patron saint of the Tradfest, and that sounds rather good to me. I don't know. I just, Martin asked me, because he lives down the road, you know, and I I do love uh, traditional music, and I just, okay, fair enough, I said, oh, well, you know, and here I still am, you know. Martin Hart, of course, who's the, the director mm. of Tradfest itself. Yeah. And your role then as patron, what do you do? Is there, have you a, a ceremonial role? Sometimes he asks me to perform, like the last time was, we did something for Kieran Carson, uh, who was a flute player as well as a great poet, and um, to offer suitable tribute, we had Matt Malloy, uh, and I think he can play a bit, and <laughs> on the flute, you know. So for me, it was a, w- a wonderful thing to read poetry with Matt and um, Neil Martin playing a bit of cello. I, I like working with musicians very much, you know, and and of course the uh, traditional music people are very relaxed about an actor <laughs> messing up their stuff, you know. But what about your own interest? I'm going to talk to you about Kieran Carson actually a little later. That was a really memorable night mm. in Kilmainham Jail that you did at Tradfest. But what about your own interest in traditional music? Where does that stem from? I, I can only imagine that you you weren't sort of born with it anyway. You know, it's a funny thing. There was a lot of traditional music in Belfast, but um, I, I couldn't mention it really without mentioning the McPeaks, you know. And that when I, the first time I heard Ellen Pipes was uh, when I saw the McPeaks. And, I mean, it was blown away, you know. It was uh, astonishingly pure music, you know. And it was thoroughly amazing. But you're quite right in the, in the sense that um, it, it wasn't in the mainstream in, in Belfast at that time. In fact, Francie McPeak, the, the younger one, said that when they went to the Eisteddfod in Wales and they won their section, you know, and the, this German guy who'd been in a group from southern Germany came up and said, congratulations, I suppose your Burgomeister will be waiting at the station to congratulate you. And... Uh, Earl Francie said, son, dear, our Burgermeister doesn't even know where to weigh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that would have been the way of Burgermeisters at that time and most people. But I became very, very passionate about the McPeaks. And, of course, it turned out that, um, of course, so was Bob Dylan was as well. And, and Bob Dylan, who I was very keen on, was, was passionate about the, the Clancy's as well, who, and they, they did a few evenings in Belfast, the Clancy's and the McPeaks. And it, was, it was wonderful, you know. So I became very tied up on it. So what age would you have been when you first came across the McPeaks? About 18, I suppose. Right. Yeah. And why the Elam Pipes? What was the draw of the Elam Pipes to you? Oh, you... my God, you see, they were such a pure group. They had, they had they played two pipes. Mm-hmm. Two, I've never seen that. You know, two sets of pipes and a harp. 
Mima da and Jamesy was what the boy said. Yeah, was Francie and and Francie, young Francie and old Francie played pipes, and the other brother played the harp, which it was an extraordinary sound. It was like you were hearing the whole thing for the first time. Yeah, it seems like the purest introduction to traditional music for you. Were you ever tempted to play, play. it yourself? Yeah, no. Um, and also, of course, as well as playing, they were singing. That's right. Which you didn't get that all the time, you know. Um, no, I, I l love music. Neil Martin says that I'm a kind of musician, the way I approach language and everything. But I, there was a piano in the house, but nobody played it. Oh, there are a few many musical instruments in, in my grandmother's house, but all the men who played them had gone, like there was a fiddle and there was a flute and, and a, a melodeon mysteriously stored in the bathroom behind the bath. <laughs> I, I don't know why it was, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were trying to keep it away from visitors who might annoy them by playing too many tunes, I don't know. And apart from, let's say, hearing the McPeaks and those that would have been around the scene at that time, uh, if in your late teen years, did you ever go to Flas or festivals? I, I did go to Flas. I went to Fla in Bunkrana. I went to another one in, in Tipperary. I've forgotten it now. But um, I fell in with a lot of musicians, you know. And like, I mean, I've uh, done something with that lovely Brigine McGowan, mm. who's a wonderful harp player, very inventive, and and I've, of course I've been I've been working with the wonderful Leisha Kelly. And she, it's, she's not playing plinky plink, you know. Sometimes it's, it's big stuff she's doing. Yeah. And, and, and with Tiernan O'Dignan, the, the, the piper. Brilliant piper. Brilliant piper. Um, I've had guys playing in this house, you know, Noel Hill, sitting in that chair playing, and I've had Meriden Trina, and uh, Kieran Tourish has played in here. Neil Martin, of course, and... It's a lovely, lovely way to bless the house, you know. Mm -hmm. And of course, you will have musicians with you. Just to say that you're doing a show called Sicht uh, on Friday the 29th of January at Tradfest 22. Yeah. And you will have some musicians with you. I know that uh, Louise Mulcahy and her sister Michelle, they'll be playing with you. And you've, you've done some work with Louise. Yeah, we recorded something here down on the on the estuary there she's wonderful brilliant wonderful wonderful player and i'm looking forward to playing with michelle as well and neil martin might it might be impossible to keep him out of it you know i i think you, you come as a as a pair <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah. well you know he's awfully skilled and he's very good with language and yeah we'll be doing a bit of poetry and irish poetry and irish music go very, very well together. They're of the same genre, really, it seems to me. And you will be reading other people's poetry. Uh, we don't know what the programme of that, and we look forward to the surprise. Mm. But there are other poets going to be on the bill with you, and you feel strongly that there should be a platform for poetry at Tradfest. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I think there's a wonderful surge of talent coming through, and they love the poetry, you know. And, I, and it's a wonderful way to listen to it. And, um, and so we hopefully have a couple of um, Gilgore poets, you know, and it's also uh, unself-conscious now. Mm. Do you know, it's, 
it, it's wor it works, you know. It's a bit like maybe where traditional music was, maybe in the 90s among the younger population. It's, it's cool to be doing it now. Mm. It seems to be similar, poetry seems to be in a similar place right now. It is, and I hope a lot of people are going to listen to it. Now, Sasha Terfus and Natalia O'Flaherty, two modern-day Irish poets, are going to be on the bill with you when you perform yeah. at Siacht. Uh, just to remind people, it's the 29th of January. In the Pepper Canister Church, have you performed there before? No, I haven't. I, I saw Paddy Glack in there last year, I think. The, the lovely uh, Seamus Ennis's daughter was there. Catherine. Catherine, yeah. I, just, I think she's now left us. Sadly. Sadly, yeah. And, and that was really great, you know. But just going back to yourself and your interest in, in, in the folk music, you mentioned Rick Peaks. What about the Sands family? Were you? Oh, yeah, I, I, I heard them too, yes, of course, from, from County Down, yeah. The, but they are wonderful and unique as well. Yeah, and so when you spoke about Bree Jean, and I was thinking of Claire Sands, actually, the fiddle player who has done a lot of work with Bree Jean, uh, okay. the Harper, but she's a, a, like a, a, an offshoot of the Sands family. It's just interesting to see, you mentioned the McPeaks and the generations, it goes on right throughout go, the tradition. It is wonderful. I mean, there's so many interesting things about the McPeaks. Like, I mean, Roger Casement put together the money to get Owl Francie a set of pipes, you know, along with Bulmer Hobson and people like that, you know, the the decent folk, you know? Wasn't it, wasn't it smart of them to know that you could sow more seeds with that, that culture than... And then I took... A, there was a, do, you, do you ever remember a man called Ronnie McShane who played the bones? He did. He played the bones with yeah. Oreda. Yeah. Um, and he was, a stage, he was a stage manager in the Abbey when I worked there uh, at the beginning, and it was the Queen's Theatre, and his, his, um, his family had... The McShanes had been part of the music hall tradition for years. And I took him to Belfast for... A, he wanted to have a look around... And we went to various Pat's Bar and places like that. And, and he said to me, there's more music in Belfast than there is in Dublin. At that time, mm. you know, people used to smuggle their instruments into pubs and things. I don't know if you had to do that, Kieran, but, you know, the, there was a, a, they looked down on it, didn't they? Yeah, well, Martin Connolly, the late Martin Connolly, actually, this year too, another one of the greats that left us, accordion player from Killaloo, I remember him talking, Seamus Connolly is his brother who was in Boston College, but I remember Martin saying that he'd, like, he'd be heading off to, as a young lad, like, to a session somewhere, and he used to, have to wrap his accordion in his coat, like in case anybody saw it. So there was a bit of that all right going on. Yeah. And I know they say Ennis is such a, a great town. It's my hometown, but it's kind of a, a, like a capital of traditional music. But it wasn't that in the 50s and 60s. We were kind of the first generation coming along, so things were different. So that's interesting about Belfast, what Ronnie was saying about it. Yeah. Well, it, well, it was very, and I was, I was very proud, naturally, you know, but then the attempt to kill the culture, which the previous occupants had, had they seemed to have managed at that, didn't they? It survived, though. It survived quietly in its own. It, it survived, and then with the people that went to uh, Coleman doing all those records in, in the States and and O'Neill in Chicago collecting it all. And then that's what the Harbors Festival did. by. And then in the 50s, of course, 70 years now since Coltus was formed, so the idealism of that time around 
the early 50s and those people that put uh, cultists together and the Pipers Club and all of that, there were people on the ground who actually push it. Yeah, it, it represents everything that's good about the country, you know. You mentioned uh, Neil and you mentioned Paddy Glack and, and Kieran and you had Noel Hill here. Have you, have you favourites in the traditional scene that you would just, if you heard that they were playing somewhere, you would definitely make it your business to go and hear them? Well, I, I loved, um, I did the, there was a memorial thing for a 50th anniversary of Oreda in, in the concert hall. Yes. And actually, Sean Kane played, I read a poem and Sean Kane played with me as I, as I, well, I read two poems, a poem of Kinsella's and The Given Note by uh, Shimasini. And who came on but uh, Sean O'Shea? And he was a riot. He was like a rock star. Yeah. And they were all going mad. They were all standing up and screaming for him. He's a very special individual. Oh Sean, God, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Uh, it was just, it was, it was just a pure delight, you know. Yeah, what's most interesting about him is is how he has maintained his voice, actually. Yeah. And the fact that Oriuda picked up on what he was doing and said. I want you to be part of this revolution in traditional music and song. Yeah. And, and I heard him tell a story once on the radio, Sean O'Shea, that uh, he was on the famous Oreda Sugoetti. He, he was going to sing whatever it was, and, and Oreda gave him a chord, and it was much higher. This. Was, oh, you, you know about this, of course, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he looked over to Oreda and Oreda just smiles back at him and he had to sing it higher yeah, because Oreda was saying I know you can do it and he could and he could and he took him to a place maybe he hadn't been before it was great that's fantastic that was the 50th anniversary of Oreda's passing uh, yeah and it was just fantastic to, and what's interesting there too on that night was that Oreda's grandchildren were part of yeah. the band performing and one of them says to me I was never that keen on Oreda, you know. <laughs> I said, Jesus, God love your cheek, you know. But then she, when she started to prepare for the, the concert, the penny dropped, yeah. you know. And, and she became really passionate about it, you know. Certainly that was... They were uh, wonderful. They were wonderful, those girls. I heard uh, reports anyway, from, but I was talking to Sean O'Shea, who will be performing at Trotfest as well in the Pepper Canister with Cor Coulet on the Sunday of Tradfest, so we're looking forward to his... Oh, well, I have to go to that, yeah. yeah. performance there. Well, I mean, one of my big, the biggest moments for me in my life was I went to the Tradfest, and uh, Sean was playing with the Corcoulet, and, and I walked into the, there at the Dublin Castle, you know, and this big man says, Hello, Stephen, and it was Sean, and I thought, <laughs> Jesus, I must be somebody if Sean O'Shea knows who I am, <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah, he's a great man. He's great, just so great special. Great, great man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're, we're certainly looking forward to him going to Tradfest. We're looking forward to your performance at Tradfest as well. Seacht, it's called. And that's the 29th of January. It's a Friday in the Pepper Canister. Now, I mentioned that you performed at Tradfest, uh, it was probably 2019, in Kilmainham. Yeah. And you did a piece uh, about uh, Kieran Carson. You said he, he a flute player as well. What was your relationship with him, and can you just tell us a little about him? Well, he was a, a, a wonderful Irish speaker, you know, and he, he translated the Tawn 
um, maybe the first person to do it since Kinsella. Um, but he did it out of real respect for Kinsella's version, but he just did a different kind of thing. And his 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 poetry, a lot of it is he he's from West Belfast, but he lived in North Belfast, where I come from. Derek Mahan came from there too, um, and. It's full of references to places that I'm very familiar with, and he, he he's a wonderful, wonderful writer, and he wrote prose as well, you know, and a uh, really extraordinary writer. And people had come to see, they didn't know who Kieran Carson was, but they came because it was the Tradfest and, and, and Matt was there. And uh, it was, you know, they came from America, you know, to see it. And, it was just, I don't know, it was a very suitable memorial for, for Kieran, you know. And you did the same, uh, you, you were anxious to do the same for Derek Mahan, so these are people that you feel that you, you need to speak about and speak yeah. their words. Oh, listen, I, I think Derek is just out of this world, you know. Um, I've, I, I've, I've acted in plays that he translated from French, you know, and they were wonderful, wonderful things to work with. And... Um, but on that occasion, we had the same. We had Matt, we had Paddy Glack, and we had Neil Martin, and we had the uh, Belfast piano player Brian Connor. And my God, these guys are so sensitive; it's unbelievable. They they lift everything to another level. Tell us a little about Derek Mahan as well. Oh God, Derek! Derek is uh, sublime as a poet. You know, he's never received the same uh, praise. As Heaney say, but then nobody has. But the Derek was an incredible poet, and I, I think I have a great advantage because I I like reading poetry aloud. I mean, I think the way to discover poetry is to read it aloud, you know, because you're, it demands that you take on some of the discipline of the of of the writer and the imagery. You know, you have to, you can't just skate over it, as if you're just reading. By sight. And when you're performing with musicians, do you leave it to their intuition, let's say, to pick up on the words that you're speaking? Or well, there's, you there's sometimes when you think, well, it would be good to keep the mu- music. Um, like when I did the work with uh, Louise Mulcahy, there was, you know, just say, oh, just leave me the space to do the words and then you go off and then I'll come in again later, you know. I mean, it's it's a duet in the sense that uh, it can you can play together at the same time, but you can also leave space for each other. And and it requires sensitivity, but they have it in spades, you know. That's a good title for an album, you know. Sensitivity in spades. <laughs> I'm just taking note of that for my, my <laughs> no. next album. Very interesting, though. And, and the idea there that, that, that you use that word duet that's really interesting uh, that you would say that because mm. that does then make you kind of think that this is it's not two separate elements it's actually it's one element that's actually mixed and it's working together absolutely but you know those those guys respond to it it's unbelievable you know they're not just um, fly by night players they're just, they are major artists all of those people I'm talking about are major artists by the way were you ever tempted or have you Written poetry yourself? I, I did when I was um, a teenager, and I, I think the the other geezers were better at it than me. <laughs> Is there any chance that they'd be unveiled at any stage? No, I don't. 
I don't know where they are now. But I'll tell you who else I worked with years ago, and uh, God love them, they're both dead. I did a production of Playboy of the Western World in London in the English National Theatre, and Tommy McCarthy, the Playboy. Oh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, what a man, and um, Bobby Casey, and uh, the daughter of um, Tommy's. And uh, I used to say to the, all these actors, and there's, you know, I say, there's only one authentic Irish moment in this play, and that's when Tommy and Bobby come in. That was a fantastic lineup to have on stage with you, Tommy McCarthy and Bobby Casey. I mean, was, uh, if you're fun. mentioning greats, they are oh, two they of the are, greats. I know that. I yeah. know, and I know how privileged I was. Yeah. I loved them both, and I used to go see them in um, various pubs. You see, a lot of the great players that we're talking about and were were in London. Mm. You know, they'd gone away. They were all working, you know, and but Bobby was incredible. The beautiful thing about him was that he, he also he was playing, just playing a bit of fiddle and then they, they they go off the stage and but he he had a character. He did a character for the you know, he was walking towards me <laughs> you know and Oh, isn't this great, you know? He, he inhabited the play, you know. Uh, that's a whole new image for me now, Bobby Casey, the actor. I know, well, <laughs> uh, I loved them. They were, and, and then um, Tommy came home, of course, and, and all the girls came home, and, yes. you know, and, and that, that was great, but then he didn't, unfortunately, didn't last that long. It was just terrible. Well, I, I met him in uh, just outside Milton Mulberry. Can't think of, remember which pub it was, but we did a, a program down there, and Tommy was part of it. But I introduced him as the only man from that part of County Clare that played on a, a British number one hit, and he was looking at me. But he played the tin whistle on "The Lion Sleeps Tonight" uh, by Tight Fit, as it was at the time. Hey. Tommy played the whistle, so he, like when the pro, when the show was over, he kind of said, "Well, Jesus Christ, you had to." <laughs> well, I remember uh, I had some musicians in my house in London. This was, you know, I had them all round, and and uh, Tommy wasn't playing. I didn't. I said, "What's up, Tommy?" And there was a boron player. He says, "Oh, Jesus, Steve, Steve, boron players are a course." <laughs> <laughs> And I says, are, are there any good ones? He says, there's one in America. <laughs> and, I, and of course, he was good because he was in America. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't hear him. <laughs> he couldn't bear it because he was a very delicate player. He was. As indeed was Bobby. Mm. I was so privileged to be with those guys, you know. Uh, I mentioned that you're going to be at Tradfest in January on the 29th in the Pepper Canister Church and you'll be performing there, as we mentioned, uh, Michelle and Louise Mulcahy. Neil will be there, Neil Martin. Uh, you mentioned that you performed in the National Concert Hall some months ago. Did you do much in the last 18 months, or were you hampered by this whole lockdown or this COVID Oh, period? I lost, last, last year, Kieran, I lost three series. And only one of them came back, uh, which we did in um, Spain which was a wonderful, wonderful series by a writer, director, producer called Hugo Blick. I've worked with him before a couple of times. And it was 
about the destruction, really, of the Native Americans. And it was called the English. I wonder why. <laughs> and, uh, and, but it was magnificent, and every single uh, Native American character was played by real Native Americans. And it, it actually ends up with a sense of high tragedy, you know. So shocking, you know. Yet they're recovering now mm -hmm. as well. It seems, it seems in the indigenous people around the world, which I find fascinating, you know, the, the Aborigines in Australia are beginning to recover and the Native Americans are recovering and they're, you know, producing poetry and English as well, but they're, they're recovering their languages and, and then it's, we, I think we have something in common with them because the, the loss of the culture was so devastating. Well, I suppose the happiness is that it is recovering. Yeah. But it's taken a bit of a struggle. I think it's a bit of a struggle, and there's, um, somebody, there's, there's a lot of... I mean, my two boys went to uh, Gale School, you know. What about yourself? Do you speak Irish? Uh, no, I've acted in Irish. I, I really do. I really do love it, you, you know. Uh, I started going to Irish class in university in Belfast when myself and an, an English guy, we had two passionate things in common. He loved traditional music and, and, and I actually used to sing with him. He was a guitar player, brilliant, and a, a mandolin player as well. And I used to just sing the straight song and he would do harmonies with me. But I, we would, the purists didn't like us because we, we, we sung songs off records, yeah. you know, with Dominic Behan and things. Well, we keep you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all right. We had fun, you yeah. know. And for the show that you're doing in January at Tradfest, you're going to have some native Irish speaking poets. That's, that's right. And I mean, one of the fascinating things, which, which in the Derek Mahan thing, was there's this. Uh, lovely Nigerian Irish girl called Feli Speaks. She's the most beautiful poet and she has a deep insight into what Ireland is. And, and that's what I, I've, and, and so it's, it's an education for us as well. We can learn from the new immigrant, you know, and I, I really do believe that. She said, the Irish can survive everything, survive the Titanic, they survive the famine, they can survive being forbidden to comfort their children in their own language. I thought, wasn't that so wonderful for her? To, you know, it was so wonderful of her to be sensitive to that. So I do think that these younger people, Bree Jean and the Mulcahys, the Mulcahys they're, they're bringing us back in, you know, in the most creative way into everything that's possible for us. Well, we certainly look forward to your performance with the up-and-coming generation uh, at the Pepper Canister. There'll be yourself and another outlet, uh, Neil Martin, and then the rest will be the young and up-and-coming, outward-looking young people. <laughs> I know. Friday, I'm hanging on to their coats, you know. <laughs> That's Friday the 29th of January, anyway, in the Pepper Canister. Uh, yeah. Stephen Ray, it's been a pleasure to have a chat with you, and thanks for welcoming us into your home. Oh, my pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. 
Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.